0: you
1: You
2: want me to stop? Look out!
0: What is it? I don't know. What? <gasps> okay now, make a wish. <sighs> you
1: ready for your present?
0: go this instant. He's not under arrest. He's under protection. What are you talking about? I'll take all yours, Vernon. All of them. The state of
1: Texas instituted an endangered child care program. Keeping them here is safer for everyone.
0: Every cop from here to New Mexico on the lookout this is evil he's putting down you show him who you are everyone welcome back to the pod and the pendulum the horror movie podcast covering all horror franchises one movie and one episode at a time i am your host mike snoonian and joining us this week back after a long break uh always excited to have her on as one of our regular crew you've heard her on the losers losers club you've heard her on halloweenies and you've read her work in dread central rue morgue Daily Grindhouse, and others. Welcome back, Rachel Reeves.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me back. It's been a minute, but you know, it feels great to be here in Texas or yeah. Bulgaria, Bulgaria or wherever we are. I don't know, but it's hot and it's sweaty. And yes, it's. I'm excited to dive into this because I I just have some questions. So, is, yeah.
0: is Bulgaria one of those countries like you're not supposed to go to because they'll harvest your organs? Like, is that one of the ones they want? Like, <laughs> like a, like a hostile country? Yeah, I can never <laughs> yeah. keep Eastern Europe straight in terms of. Where you're more likely to get murdered. Well, maybe the person to answer that is our other guest joining us tonight for the first time on the show. And I do feel like we should have one of those like alarms that go off and we have like a first time guest like, come on down, you know, um, <laughs> like we're come sort of crazy game show um, from the Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies podcast. Welcome, Clayton. Hey,
2: it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me
0: welcome welcome man thanks for jumping in on this one it was a lot of crickets out there when i'm like oh my god am i gonna have to do this this episode solo because i think a lot of people have memory hold this movie uh, but thank you so much for jumping in we're excited to definitely talk about this one and can you answer that question about bulgaria like are is that a place we're not supposed to go
2: oh i have no idea i
0: okay. probably
2: wouldn't go there But between this and I feel like those later wrong turn movies were all filmed in Bulgaria Mm -hmm. or Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I could be wrong on that, but I feel like it was Bulgaria and between wrong turn and Texas chainsaw. I just, I don't think I'd, it's not
0: on the bucket list of places to go. (laughs) No, I know that like for my 50th birthday, I want to go to Paris. Like I've never been. And I feel like Bulgaria. Like my wife is trying to convince me to go there instead of Paris, which is super weird. That's she's like Paris. She's like <laughs> Paris. Like she's British, so I think she's conditioned to hate the French. Uh, she's like, "Oh, I went to Paris when I was a teenager. It's super dirty. We should go to like Bulgaria." And I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, we're not." doing that for my 50th birthday it's either paris or wrestlemania like those are the- i like
1: how <laughs> those are, are the options
0: <laughs> really, yeah i'm really like how do you
2: it. how do you go from paris or bulgaria like to there's, WrestleMania. Not, a middle-
0: <laughs> there's not a middle there's ground. no middle ground there no we are a family of extremes and it's pretty much Pretty much it. Okay. We are here this week. We are rounding the home stretch for this franchise. And it's gonna be a pretty wild one to talk about, as I feel like all of these movies have been. Like the awesome thing about this series is there's like nothing that is boring in any of these movies. True. So it it is the 2017, like straight to direct TV mashup of like terrence malick agatha christie (laughs) french extremity slasher movie leatherface and it wouldn't be a texas chainsaw series if there wasn't already another movie with this title so just so we're clear instead of being the second sequel to toby hooper's original movie we're getting the second prequel of the series which again wild stuff when it comes to this one yeah i this, this whole franchise,
1: I haven't seen them all and it just this is partially why because I'm always just like, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it matters. Mm-hmm. So I still have some holes, but at the same time, I don't feel like I've missed anything. i've I've, I've seen one and two. Mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that like and I've seen the 2013 and I've seen this one. And I kind of feel like maybe that's just where I leave it. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I want to meet the person who has seen all of them except the original. Because, you know, there's like one person out there that has done that. Who's like, no, nah, I've watched them all except the first. I think I'm good. Um, oh, and the Jessica
1: Biel. Sorry. How yeah. how
0: dare I forget. You've seen the remake, right? Yes. Yes. Loved it. I, was, I was on that episode. episode. On the remake episodes, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so and you've already forgotten. Excellent, um, <laughs> wonderful. And that was I one of have... her most popular shows too, which I'm chalking <laughs> up to Rachel. Oh yeah.
1: Well, um, there was there was some there was some some divisive uh, point of views, right. which is always yep. good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Brian, who is generally like the person who has kind things to say about everything, was like, "Nah, fuck this movie." And I was like, "How it dare is. you, sir? How dare you? How dare you?" <laughs> Um, well, I think the interesting thing, I think it was like Stephen uh, when he we talked about part two, had the idea that like all of these movies are urban legends. They're like told of the point of view of like, oh, I heard a story about a story about this family that mm-hmm. and then the story unfolds, which I think is a really great way to look at this series because it has a more bonkers continuity than the halloween franchise like it is less tight than even those movies are are which when you think about that's an accomplishment right there like that is really saying something yeah Yeah, it is and the constant uh term terminator territory (laughs) oh god oh man that'll that's one that'll break everyone's brain so before we dive into the movie proper, let's get everyone's like initial thoughts, like the first time they watched this one, how it made them feel, and like what they thought about it upon a rewatch. So Clayton, as our guest tonight, why don't you kick things off?
2: Well, I saw this right when it came out. I had direct TV, but I did not watch it on that. <laughs> I bought the Blu-ray as soon as it came out because, hey, a new horror movie in Texas Chainsaw from the people that made inside. It'll be great, right? And I watched it and pretty much went, what the fuck was that? And didn't watch it again until, since the pandemic started. And I watched Mm -hmm. it another time to give it another chance. And I appreciated it more, but I still was just, I didn't know what to think. And so I, that's why I was so happy to jump in because I was like this will give me another excuse to watch it and talk about it and maybe figure out how the fuck I feel about this movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. So and we're going to get into that on this show. Rachel, how about yourself?
1: This was a first time watch for me. Um yeah, hadn't seen it before. And it's funny because I remember I do remember when it came out on physical form i had not realized a direct to direct tv Mm -hmm. like that's interesting i guess in a way they were a little ahead of the curve on that which is kind of interesting to look back at but did not realize that uh when i worked at the record store i also was like the buyer for the movies so i saw it like pop up on the solicitations and i bought it and i brought it in and like you know shelve it and look at it and, and i just like was always like why i don't know like i just was always just kind of perplexed at like is this a good idea? Like, do I want to see a Leatherface prequel? Like, is this, is this something I need? And I always just ended up putting it back on the shelf. Cause I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I do. I, and I still, even after seeing it, I'm not quite sure that I ever want, if I still wanted mm-hmm. to see this, I don't know. I, I would love, yeah, we'll talk about it more, but yeah. yeah, but it was fun to watch it for this. And, um, just putting it in context with you know the original and then the 2013 one and just kind of looking that as a whole unit is kind of interesting um but yeah lots of thoughts
0: (laughs) three vastly different styles yes not not. i will say
1: this was not as bad as i thought it was gonna be Mm -hmm. let's just it it did not look as i thought it was gonna look like trash and it didn't Mm -hmm. so
0: i'll give it that it looks very nice yeah, definitely looking forward to talking about that. So I, I have some some thoughts on that on in the plus column. I know for me, like I got this as a screener link way back when I was running All things Horror. Mm. Uh, it was sent to me, and I knew it was gonna be like a direct TV exclusive. I feel like it was one of the first movies that I watched after we bought our new home. Like I have this distinct memory of like watching it on our sofa before we got a rabbit that trashed the sofa and now <laughs> has to live upstairs in my office with me. Cause she literally like ate the sofa uh, and <laughs> tore it apart. Um, so now she lives upstairs. Uh, I have a warm <laughs> memory of, of watching it like that and be like, Oh, I'm watching this in our new home. Um, but I remember not loving the movie. I remember exactly what you said, Rachel thinking, do we really need this movie? Like why do we need a prequel and why do we need a prequel like this? Mm -hmm. Um, I gave it another shot. I want to say probably like a year and a half ago, it went on sale for like $5 on Blu-ray on Amazon. And uh, my uh, old co-host Jerry Smith has like the cover blurb on the Blu-ray and he really enjoyed this movie. I'm like, well for five bucks plus Jerry's on the cover of it. Like I'll go ahead uh, and order it. And and speaking of which, like just a quick shout out to Jerry who not only is scoring like the extras for the uh, Halloween resurrection, like 4k Blu-ray that is coming out shortly. I think it's like shipping uh, as we speak, but also is going to be scoring a a puppet master movie as well. Like Jerry has like really focused on his music these past two years. And is just doing like an incredible fucking job. And I'm super happy for him. Um, Killing it. so, So it is like, I will probably buy that box set at some point only for, so I can make sure that I can like hear his score on that. So I think it's like really, really cool. Um, it is cool and rachel i imagine at some point you're gonna have to write up like jerry's scores like at some point oh my gosh that would be so much all right that would be amazing
1: so. honestly that would be like a joy to like yeah. cover something that yeah. you know somebody i mm-hmm. knew before yeah. then
0: went and did that'd be great so i i remember like re-watching it on blue and i think liking it a lot more um Really, like, okay, like, this is actually, like, a pretty big improvement over my initial thoughts. And then, like, watching it for this, kind of, like, mixed feelings, like, kind of in between the two. But overall, like I said, with all of these Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, like, none of them are boring. Uh, and it's they're all, like, a lot of fun to talk about, which I think is great. I'm actually going to miss doing this series. It feels like we've been covering it forever. <laughs> um and I'm going to miss doing this one we put it to bed in a week. Clayton, where is the series as a whole for you? I you know, you were showing us your t-shirt earlier and tell me about like your affinity affinity for the series as a whole.
2: I really like it as a whole. I have, admittedly I've never seen 3 or the next generation, although I do really want to see the next generation just to see um that cast back then and that type of film but i really like it i love the originals amazing obviously and i really like the jessica beale one uh yeah overall i like them they're always entertaining Mm -hmm. um
0: so you are actually wearing, and I know podcast being a very visual medium medium. You were showing us your t-shirt earlier, which is the original house done up as the barbecue joint. Now is that tell us a little bit about your excursion down there.
2: Um, it's actually the gas station that they stopped okay. at and in, in the original. And I went on vacation to visit one of my friends that for whatever reason lives in Texas now. And <laughs> I went, at the beginning, of, it was around this time, actually, a couple years back. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be cool out. It'll be nice. And I get down there and it's 90 degrees. And they told so me So winter dry. in Texas. It, it was awful. <laughs> awful, awful. But we were making a drive somewhere. And he just offhand mentioned that this Texas Chainsaw gas station was around. And I was like, we have to go there. And so we stopped and it was probably 105 that day. It was the middle of the afternoon. And this place is in the middle of nowhere, like middle of nowhere. You hundred percent believe that bad things could have happened there, mm-hmm. but it was so cool because it looks exactly the same as it did 40 years ago, except it doesn't have the gas pump outside, but they've got the, a van there and a super cool gift shop and barbecue, which I was not about to try
0: uh <laughs> why would you not try the barbecue i mean i figure if you're there and it's
2: yeah um my co-host on my podcast got very angry at me that i did not try the barbecue but really angry yes okay. yes <laughs> i'm more curious like <laughs> are you just safe because, uh... like does he always get angry are you okay oh yeah i was fine he was just like how could you be down there at the he didn't destroyer? hit or anything no okay uh, <laughs> he lives several hours away from me but okay. uh, which is more like how could you be at the texas chainsaw gas station with barbecue and not try it and i'm mm-hmm. like are you are you hungry in 105 degree humid yes. weather yes i i just and it was like in the middle of a five-hour car ride with a five-year-old and it just uh. Yeah, I just did not have an appetite at the moment, and also a little part of me is like, "This used to be a people in a movie, and I just couldn't get over that." <laughs> I'll eat pretty much anything, but
0: mm-hmm. I just so not that hot one that barbecue. I got it. Yes, I thought the gas station was like a false. I thought that was created for the movie.
2: No, it is one hundred percent a real place. Okay. it is no longer a gas station, but it is a real place.
0: It's just like a tour. And I know like the house was repurposed into like an actual barbecue joint. Like I know that they, the original Texas Chainsaw house is like a barbecue restaurant in, I think like just outside of Austin. And I definitely want to visit that one day. Oh, that would
2: be super cool. Yeah. It was crazy though, being at that gas station, just because like I was standing in a place that movie history happened Mm -hmm. and you know, stuff happens in the big cities and stuff all the time. Like, oh, they filmed this scene over there. But being where they shot part of yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was pretty awesome as a horror fan.
0: I feel like forty years from now, like our my grandkids will be doing a podcast and they'll be like, "This is the green screen that Avengers Endgame was like shot in front of." <laughs> I can't believe I stood in front of like movies history and that like Avengers twenty seven. Like this was the, um, you can own a square, you can (laughs) own a square of the green screen. (laughs) Yeah. That'll be my grandkids when they're podcasting one day. That's so depressing and probably true. (laughs) It's super depressing. Life is terrible. All right. On that happy note, let's talk a little bit about the background of this movie, uh, before we dive into it itself. And I apologize. This is where I talk a lot. Um, so after the financial success of Texas Chainsaw 3D, a sequel is pretty quickly greenlit. Millennium Pictures is set to produce. Lionsgate is set to distribute the movie. But wait, it wouldn't be a Texas Chainsaw movie if there wasn't a rights issue. So producer of Texas Chainsaw 3D, Mark Berg, has to put a hold in things saying Millennium can't greenlight the project on their own. It goes into limbo and by the time everything is sorted out, they decide they're going to go the prequel route uh, due to like they, what they say is like all of the timeline changes, the continuity issues, the reboot remake. They're like, look, they're, it's so convoluted as it is right now. Why don't we go and make a prequel? And from doing a little bit of reading, like one of the things that popped up is they realized if we do a sequel to Texas Chainsaw 3D. We have an issue with the timeline with Alexandra Daddario's character, like, supposed to be 25, supposed to be 40 years old. She's obviously 40 25. You know, mm-hmm. we really goofed it, so why don't we just do a prequel on that? So, again, just kind of a weird thing. Um, and there is a question here. Like, why do... Let's, let's talk... You know what? Let's hold off on the origin stories because we'll save that for when we get into like talking about how this works as a prequel but definitely wanna definitely want to come back to that. Um so John Lucenhup and uh Carl Mosacone, who'd been working on a script for a sequel, like they're jettisoned from the project. And the script writing duties go to Seth M. Sherwood who wrote 2018's Hellfest, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, um, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. is. It's spooky season, folks. Definitely. it. It. I think it's a much underseen movie. Like uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween sucked up all the energy uh, that <laughs> fall for like slasher movies. And going to come out with a hot take right now. Hell Fast is probably a better slasher movie than 2018's Halloween. I'll
2: agree I'm with gonna that. I'm going to say
0: it. Going to say it. You know I'm right. Everyone out there listening, <laughs> you know it in your hearts, uh, and that's not to say that that 2018's Halloween's a bad movie, but Hellfest Fast is just so much fun and perfect for this season. Um, he wrote Light as a Feather for Hulu as well, um, which is a kind of a fun, kind of supernatural, like scream teen series and he has a project i'm actually really excited about so i made a note of it he wrote the screenplay for a video game coming out i want to say like end of december it's the next entry in the dark pictures series which is uh called the devil inside me so Hmm. for folks that have you folks played like until dawn or um any of the house of ashes
1: i've done until dawn Mm -hmm. i'm not a video game person but I have done that one mm-hmm. and it creeps uh, me out.
2: <laughs> I am not a huge video game person, but I dabble mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love until dawn. It's so much fun. Yeah. I've played all the dark picture games, which aren't that great. And recently I had a wonderful time playing the quarry a few times.
0: Favorite uh, game of the year. Thank you. Love oh, that so game.
2: it was so much fun. And, uh, I didn't even know until just now when you said that the next one was coming out. I knew it was supposed to come out this year, but I had never Mm -hmm. heard a release date. So thank you for that because it looks like he's
0: written it, you know, for folks that have never played. They play like horror movie. They play like horror movies in video game form. They're kind of like choose your own adventure video games. And I would like like you said, Rachel is someone who doesn't play a lot of video games. They're like really fun games for people that aren't necessarily into video games. So he's written the screenplay for that. I think I have that on my, like going to order this, like as soon as it mm. comes out, like I'll pay the money to get it like right after Christmas. Cause I love these games so much. Uh, so he writes the screenplay for Leatherface. Um, And Alexandra Bastillo and uh, Julian Maury, who I know I'm probably mispronouncing both of those, (laughs) um, they are hired on as directors. They're a very good, like, directing team from from France. Their breakout is 2007's Christmas home invasion gross-out movie, Inside, which, fun fact, I'm pretty sure my daughter was conceived the night my wife and I watched that movie so there you go Um, just throwing it out there I can't Um, wait for
1: her to find that out and watch it and be like wow my parents are
0: (laughs) that movie creeped me out so much that like I we lived in like the third floor of a condo and I locked the balcony door I locked the front door I went into the lobby and made sure that was locked like that movie fucked me up um, And I feel like ever since that movie, I'm always going to watch anything they do, and I'm always going to be disappointed by it. It's never mm. going to live up, and that's not necessarily fair to them. What are both of your, like, have you watched any of their movies, you know, any of the their collaborations together or general overall impressions of them?
1: Just, Just that one and this. I'm not mm-hmm. actually... I don't know if I'm gonna look them up right. I don't know what else mm-hmm. they've done, so the but, doubt
0: will let me let let me tell you um, oh,
1: well, okay, wait, they did the deep house. I have seen mm-hmm. that, okay, mm-hmm. that was fun, um, not as creepy, I think as I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. and I think I saw. No, I haven't seen Candisha. I've just heard about it, though. They're interesting to me. I think that they they pick interesting stories and they write interesting stories. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really I admire that that it's I I genuinely feel like they're coming up with really interesting, unique, original ideas. So that's exciting. Mm
2: -hmm. I've seen most of their stuff. I might have one or two blind spots, but after Inside, I was like, well, I'm going to keep checking these guys out. And they are slightly disappointing most of the time, but they do. They tell interesting stories. Even the deep house, you know, it's 80 minutes. It's not the most exciting thing, but I'm like, it's a ghost story. set in an mm-hmm. underwater house. I mean, yeah. who else is doing that? They do. They tell interesting stories. They usually have a weird take on something, so... They're always worth checking out. I think they're the only yeah. reason this movie probably halfway works.
0: I, I would agree. We'll definitely get into that. I know like their follow up to Inside is Levide. It takes a decade to come out. Shudder finally put it out last year. Uh, it was just like shelved by the Weinsteins in America for like no reason whatsoever. Um, and that's like their kind of haunted house movie. Uh, Among the Living comes out I want to say 2013 that is kind of like their take on Texas Chainsaw in that it's like a messed up family um, it's a kids in peril movie and I remember it inspired like a lot of walkouts at Fantasia when hmm. it premiered there that year like a lot of people like were like nope um, and just kind of like were offended by that movie and I think it's because like you see they don't shy away from like murdering kids in really oh. horrible ways. I remember like the kid who has like a terribly abusive father, like gets the crap kicked out of him by his dad, and then is murdered. One scene later, you're like, man, that is fucking. It's harsh. Their stuff is really harsh. Candisha was a pretty good ghost story. I haven't seen the Deep House, but I think that might be the only thing they've done that I haven't seen so far. So I have to kind of put that on the list. Um, Clayton, what you actually had a, a, a comment here about their stuff and them coming stateside. What, what did you want to share with us here?
2: I just kind of had a question for the both of you from that wave of French directors that have come to America and directed horror films. Uh, I feel like this might be the closest that they have come to not being completely neutered going through mm-hmm. our rating system. Um, mm. With maybe the exception of Alexandra Aja. Right. Uh-huh. I never know how to pronounce the name with the hills have eyes. But yeah. this one had a lot more of that French extremity feel to it, I think, than that did.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen the Hills Have Eyes remake in a minute, but I do remember it being pretty intense. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, that I can't think of it. anybody. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anybody else, just like off the top of my head, that yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that would compare, I guess.
0: Yeah, I noted Aja with like the Hills Have Eyes remake and even Piranha, which is just a fun B movie, but it you know, it goes to some places and um he kind of gets to do whatever he wants. Like Xavier Jens, who did uh, Martyrs, like he hasn't had a ton of success here state-wise. I'm trying to think of like the movie he did. It was pretty controversial because I believe like one of the performers got pretty injured on it. Like it was, there was oh, some stunts. Oh, it was it uh, went... Prisoners in a
2: Darkland. The Dark Ghostland? Land. Yeah.
0: Prisoners of Darkland. Okay. Um, prisoners
2: in a Ghostland.
0: Prisoners of Ghostland. Okay. Oh, incident
2: Incident in a Ghostland. It's a it title got changed. That's why I was. Okay. I so also probably, watched that during the pandemic. That's funny. probably
0: all yeah. of those titles at one point. Um, Gaspar Noé. I can't think of anything he's even done stateside, really. I know he's not
1: French, but like Fede Alvarez. Um, Evil Dead was pretty. Pretty gory. The remake of Evil Dead. Yeah. But
2: I'm amazed that movie got an R rating amazed.
0: <laughs> I love well, it. When you, yeah. It's so I would say, yeah, I would say Aja, but also like, this is the closest thing. But I think because it's not a theatrical movie, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Like it's who cares? It's going on a, not even a streaming service, which <laughs> so to me, like one of the things like they like the script They change a bunch of things in it, including the ending. And they say, well, the ending has like a 30 person massacre, which they felt like was too extreme and out of character, which if you've seen their movies or like for them to say (laughs) something is a little bit too extreme, you're like, it must've been up there. I almost wonder if that, if whatever they had in mind for that 30 person like massacre, which is like cut and pasted into the 2022 recall, because uh, you see maybe that? Um, this movie is shot in Bulgaria for reasons, you know, because
1: money baby. <laughs>
0: <coughs> and I guess they can say, oh, we can make Bulgaria look like Texas, which spoiler alert, they can't. Um, um. Nope. Um, the last thing I have is like, this is a really odd Release strategy in that, like Lionsgate, sh- they shelve the movie after production, and they sit on it. And there's this fear, like if it doesn't have a big opening, we're gonna lose a ton of money on this. Because the thing about Texas Chainsaw 3D is, even though it was like very successful, it was very front loaded. Like it it dropped mm-hmm. like a stone after that first week. And I think the fear, it's for, I think it's the same reason why there hasn't been a Elm Street sequel to the remake is like no one's going to go see it because the one before it was so, wasn't well regarded. So they essentially, it's a weird, oh, also at the start of 2017, a movie called Leatherface with a mass chainsaw killer comes out direct to video in the UK. And it's not, a Texas Chainsaw movie. It's a renaming, repackaging of a movie called Playing with Dolls Bloodlust. Okay. So, just to add to the confusion. <laughs> so, this movie premieres at UK's Fright Fest in August 2017. And the release is odd because it's that time before every media company is starting their own streaming service and trying to give as much content as possible. Like it's like what we're seeing with Halloween ends. The only reason that that is not getting just a theatrical release, like why it's on Peacock is Peacock wants subscribers. Like they would rather have that five or $10 every month coming in than just like a huge opening weekend at the box office, which makes sense. I mean, if you get 2 million people to give you 10 bucks a month and then forget about it for a year, that's $240 million, like right in your pocket at that point. So, but this is like this, that's not around yet. And it's before Netflix is throwing billions at content creators that just make us stuff. Yeah. Um, so it goes on DirecTV, which is a relatively niche service, especially by 2017. And it's not even if you're a TV subscriber you get this movie is part of like some sort of premium package. It is, you get the privilege of paying $12 to rent this movie when it first. Oh, came out. Yeah. You had
1: to pay for it. You didn't yes. even just like, Oh, I didn't
0: realize <laughs> it wasn't like with Amazon where, Oh, you're a prime customer. Then you get yeah. rings of power. It would be like if, if Amazon charged you for every episode of the boys, if you were, uh, already a prime subscriber and didn't make it available elsewhere it's and even it's not even that good because so few people comparatively speaking are direct tv subscribers so it's a really weird release
2: can i just go on a really weird tangent for a second about oh Direc- TV. <laughs> those. absolutely the floor is yours so, one of the best TV shows I have ever seen in my life, and I will stand by that and die on the hill till I die, is a show that nobody heard of called Kingdom, about mm-hmm. an MMA gym, and Nick Jonas was in it, and... Oh, it my
1: husband for, watched that whole show.
2: Yeah. It went for <laughs> three seasons. It was only available <laughs> on the audience network, on direct TV. You can't find it anywhere. It's not on disc, and it was the best thing ever and it was like why 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 only direct tv on the audience network and then Netflix got it for a little while and is gone and it just it makes me really angry and upset
0: (laughs) it's yeah it's and again I think you're seeing that like with so much stuff like all with all these streaming services like there are some such good shows that unless you subscribe to it you're never going to get to see it
1: Well, that's what's so frustrating about it. Like, I don't understand how all of these platforms don't understand that, like, people aren't going to be able to watch everything. It's so frustrating. So like, oh, didn't get the numbers we want canceled. It's like, give it time. You have to give it more than like, you know, like a month before canceling it. Like, I I still haven't seen season four of Stranger Things. Okay, like,
0: give me a second please (laughs) yeah i have so much to catch up on at this point and i'll be honest i have i've come around where i like the amazon disney plus hbo hulu model of like we're going to give you the show a week at a time and you're going to have to wait for episodes you're going to get it the latest thing my wife and i are watching is the reboot with um key either is it i from basically it's like paul riser uh key from key and peel uh johnny knoxville is in it from jackass and it's like a television it's a, a behind the scenes of like a tv show that is like rebooted by hulu it's like a 90s sitcom like a oh, very funny. like TGI, tgif friday style like family matters full house style sitcom that is like rebooted for 2022 uh and it's just sunset. like much darker and, oh Judy Greer is in it and she's I love oh, her. brilliant in it like she is in everything and i think that if we could like binge it all like we probably wouldn't enjoy it um i like like having to wait yeah
2: it builds anticipation you can talk to mm-hmm. people about it if you watch something all at once like there's so many shows that are released weekly that I, mm-hmm. if they were just dropped all at once,
0: No. Yeah. Nobody's people. talking about Stranger Things season four right now. Like it came out in July, and it's kind of like already been forgotten about. I, no I mean, one,
1: I don't know. If the, well, let's mm-hmm. see how many of those you know Eddie Eddie guys we get on Halloween. cuz okay. <laughs> I, I don't even be know a few. who
0: Eddie is because <laughs> I haven't watched <laughs> season four yet. Uh, no one's talking about Cobra Kai season five, and it was brilliant. But love like, Cobra Kai. I watched it all in one day and then I'm like, Oh, now I have to wait another year for Mm -hmm. the next. I wish that would have, I could have spaced that out a little bit better. So I don't know, like this whole, we're going to give you everything all. And the problem with that is they release so much stuff in a month. Like they release more in one month than like, when you think of the height of like the network era, and how few shows actually came out every year they release netflix releases more in a month than like all of your networks did over the course of like a full year of television and it's yeah. you can't keep up with it and it's like insane said, it gets lost hmm? i was just it's insane yeah. it's insane
1: but if anybody's curious leatherface is currently streaming on peacock it is <laughs>
0: That's true which is like the least and when you look at their offerings for Halloween it's might be the best streaming service in terms of everything they're offering like all the universal monster stuff all the child's play stuff a bunch of really good TV shows a really good mix of movies and like nobody watches peacock
1: i okay well don't say nobody cuz they also have all of the Real Housewives franchises. So, oh, so you're in. So you're in. <laughs> like <Yeah. I'm> in.
0: <laughs> but if you're if you're someone that has Comcast, you already get it. You get like the tier with ads already included yeah, yeah. in it right now. So yeah, I we watch Murder She Wrote every night. My wife and I I'm actually wearing oh, Murder I, she I love Wrote. Murder
2: She Wrote. See, it's so
0: good. So cute. <laughs> and the episode I'm watching Right now, like we were watching it over dinner, it's like the they have so much horror royalty. I'm sorry, we did go on a tangent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm but sorry, they like, I started mm, it. <laughs> I think it's like Mark Peter Jackson, who is the bad dude. He's like the shitty principal on Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, Jason takes Manhattan. Oh, they God. have like the the teacher from Gremlins who gets eaten, like the science teacher. Like he's in this episode. They have always have like all this horror royalty. I that's love that. In it. You know? And the one before that was like Leslie Nielsen just being like total daddy. Like Leslie Nielsen being like, Jessica Fletcher, are you down to fuck? I am. <laughs> like, just...
2: I'm sure he said it just like that.
0: <laughs> Dude, he had like the open. Caught like the suit coat with the open collared, like white dress shirt. He (laughs) sees Jessica Fletcher and he grabs her and plants a huge kiss on her. Stays at her house, is making her breakfast the next day. Like, that is that is dude staying at an unmarried woman's house and then making her breakfast the next day is 80s code for they did butt stuff the night before. That's how it had to be in the 80s. You couldn't really show anything. So if they're if he's making her breakfast, if she's making him breakfast, standard penis and the vagina sex. But if he's making her breakfast, <laughs> but
1: you are like, it's I had true. no idea. It's true. <laughs> it Learning is true. So many things. Dot dot <laughs> Folks,
0: dot. What they did in the olden days. This is an educational show. Like that's what you need to know. Is you yeah. learn things when you listen. I, I appreciate uh, oh, it. So. I'm telling you that I'm not wrong on this. Okay. Sorry. Turn it's a leather face. The, <laughs> the leather face. Let's talk about. All right. So we kind of talked about it, but when we talked about Maury and Bastillo, I think they shoot a really beautiful movie with a not so great script. Like they really do. It's they really make a lot out of a little bit. They do the best they can with like, I think it's a pretty tough predicament. To be in here. Um, this to me is like the first movie since like the ones that Hooper has done that have any sort of vision to them. Like because really all the other movies like they're done by a lot of journeymen like there's no one that you that jumps out you're like oh that is a director with a lot of vision to, to them like you get like a real a look to it and I think you get a very distinctive and if nothing else. There is a really unique and distinctive, like, style to this movie. What say you both? I would agree with
1: the style and Mm -hmm. director with a literal vision. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not sure if I would agree that this film has a, like, Narrative story vision. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I do agree. I think it looks great. Mm -hmm. Very competent people behind the camera who know how to make a film look great. Mm -hmm. And it's a marvel that they pulled this together as well as they did, I think. But,
0: oh, I agree. The story's a hot mess.
2: Okay. All right. There we go.
1: The
0: (laughs) story is a complete mess. I think it's gorgeous in a really
2: nasty way. Uh, its cinematography reminds me a lot of movies that came out between like 2003 and 2010. So I might just be biased because, like, it's what I grew up watching and stuff. So that's just how I. It just is an instant nostalgia boost in my brain if I'm, mm-hmm. a horror movie comes out with that look. But mm-hmm. it is gorgeous and really fucking nasty. But I will push back slightly. And uh, <laughs> I really like the look of the Jessica Biel one I just Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. I think it I think it has style to burn.
1: I, I think that one has an equal if we're using vision to sure. in these in and you know in this framework I would say that yes. that one to me had a vision of sorts as well.
0: I mean, but just, I'm thinking like, just for this franchise, you know. Sure. Yes, yes, yeah, for this franchise. In, in terms of who you're getting to Helm these movies though like Marcus Nispel You know I know he would go on To do the Friday the 13th Remake but I, I don't See oh, him so as like yeah I just don't see him as a director That brings like if You were to tell me like well what is Like Marcus Nispel style Like mm-hmm. I don't th- I don't know Like maybe I could mm-hmm. watch his music videos And there's something that Is there Um it's like Kim Henkel like doesn't really i think he does like the butcher house boys which he calls like a spiritual sequel to the texas chainsaw Massacre. but like there's nothing about like hinkle that screams anything other than like workmanship like you know yeah. it's competent it's not incompetently made but you know it's just it's just kind of there um i wanted to ask clayton because you said like hey this reminds me of the movies you watch in, like the early aughts and like that's kind of your comfort area and you'll say how like gorgeous this movie looks. I associate that time period with like more like really washed out colors. And Daniel Pearl even talks about this with the Texas Chainsaw remake, how like his print got very bleached and how the colors are all but washed. Like, he was actually disappointed with how it looked because he felt so much of his color was washed out of it. And I associate horror movies from that era with that look, that kind of like your blues are more blue gray. Everything has that kind of green, almost like you're in the matrix kind of like color scheme to it. Are there, can you, what particular examples from that time period jump out to you is like, this is a standout looks great.
2: This look reminded me a lot of the devil's rejects. Okay. Mm um just off the top of my head on this on the spot with that question but um even just like not exactly but house of wax and stuff they just kind of had a look to them and this had that feel if i watched them back to back with something from that actual time period i would be like oh no but that was the feeling i got from watching
1: it i it did surprise me when i saw it 2017 i will say like it does feel a little bit like if somebody told me this yeah if this was like 2009 i'd be like yeah okay yeah like, it, doesn't it doesn't look it's... so out of place in that era mm-hmm. i guess
2: i mean call me by your name came out in what 2018 and <laughs> that's more of what movies look like in that time mm-hmm. period that's very you know not a just horror film in a franchise but this looks like it could have come out around the same time as the Friday
0: the 13th remake or... Yeah. See, I'd argue this looks a lot better than that movie. I think that this, mm. the look of this movie, I think is much better. I think there's like a richness to the color palette. I think that the way it holds on certain shots, um, in order to create this like sense of like unease or discomfort, um, you have some real like gonzo moments. Like there's a scene where like someone in a wheelchair just like drops from the third floor <laughs> yeah. and smiles, you know, like, oh, and and there's no attention brought to it. It's just like, this no, is a no, thing. I was like, happen.
2: have we seen someone in a wheelchair? Like I, I was just like, who is this? Um, <laughs> yeah, To be fair, it's just... the movies I was talking about, I've not watched them in a long time. Like mm-hmm. except for the devil's rejects. That's like a yearly thing. Sure. So if I did uh, go back and watch them, I would probably take back a lot of what I've said. But in my head, that's just how it felt like, oh, this looks like... At the
0: very least, it evoked that feeling. It, it yes. brought you back to somewhere. No, and that's never a bad thing. Um, we, you know, They talk about the 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 script for this movie, and they say, well, it kind of like... Like Maru and Bastillo say, we were going for like a Badlands meets the Virgin suicide uh, the virgin (laughs) suicides which i can see the badlands influence in in the very least so that it's like outlaws on the run so like that's always like malik's badlands is always going to be your point of reference when uh it comes to that so i can forgive that but there's nothing about this movie that screams like sophia coppola's (laughs) thoughtful rumination and how difficult it is to be a young teen girl and like living under the male case and then eventually offing yourself like there's nothing about this that screams the virgin suicides i didn't understand that one at all
2: yeah i saw lily taylor uh mention that in the special features and i just thought to myself did she mean to talk about the virgin suicide yeah. have they seen the virgin suicides like there's isn't.
0: No... <laughs> <laughs> do they think it was a horror movie about do they mistake it for like the suicide club from Sion Sono like is that what they meant
2: I, <laughs> I don't know but it is nothing like the virgin suicides in look or tone or anything about it <laughs> yeah yeah
1: the i the only thing i can think of is just like the idea of like the character like these young characters with kind of some of these like interesting, sometimes ambiguous like depths to them or mm-hmm. something like that's the only like parallel, like maybe I could see like, Oh, some of the character work, maybe like what you were doing with
2: them, but
0: I don't know. I, interesting.
2: Recommend. Maybe I saw the Lily... overbearing parent. I don't... <laughs> I don't
0: maybe know. I saw Lily Taylor make that same comment in the special features. And that's when I went. Okay. I'm going to stop it here. I got shit to do because this is obviously not like a real in-depth. But if you're telling me this, like, come on now. Like, this is not, I'm not getting anything I need from this whatsoever. Oh, I
2: watched all of that. And I thought it was so funny because she's going on and on about that. All of the actors are talking complete contradictions about each other. Oh, I just, I thought it was really thoughtful characters. The girl that plays Clarice was talking about, I just really liked how sensitive it was and not reliant on gore. And I'm like, what you literally are having sex and making out with a sticky corpse. Like, yeah. did, or did we read the same script?
0: <laughs> yeah, and... I don't like, and they specifically <laughs> added more gore to it. Like they went, okay, we need to actually make this gorier. Like she crawls out of an, and like they crawl out of an animal carcass it's at fucking one point
1: tauntaun so um, man, yeah. but like this movie's, this, movie's gross. Yes, <laughs> like, this
0: movie is this movie is gross yes super this movie is super gross um <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a wonderful way yeah um <laughs> uh, to me it wouldn't surprise me if this script stalks you hear this all the time like like pretty much every hellraiser movie after part three isn't supposed to be a hellraiser movie it's like mm. You know, like Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I think is another example, like a movie that didn't necessarily start as an Elm Street movie and then became one because they're like, we need to make another one of these movies. It wouldn't shock me if there was like a psychopaths on the run script that was written. And then it was like, we need to do another Texas Chainsaw movie. We're going to lose the rights to it. Let's tack on this because the first act and the last act, those opening scenes and how this ends feel so different from everything else that's going on in this movie that I don't I don't know how they were adapted to make this a Texas Chainsaw movie.
2: I was going to ask if you knew anything about that because it feels like three completely separate movies. Yeah. And uh, I even wondered like was this supposed to be a Texas chainsaw movie? Was this like a script about something totally different and they just like reworked it a little bit, but it just feels so disjointed. I mostly like the separate parts, but just put together it just
0: mm-hmm. I, I didn't see anything on that. nothing I could read. and I did find some like interviews <sighs> with the directors like a couple years after this come out and I don't want to say they've disowned this movie but they're definitely not happy with the final product. They say that like, we shot a much different movie. Like it had Mm. a different beginning, had a different ending. A lot of things in the middle were changed or like the movie that we made sits on our hard drives and maybe one day we'll actually get to show it to people. But they sounded like pretty like at one point one in one of the interviews the the interviewer like brings it up he's like oh we've never even heard of that movie like what movie are you even <laughs> talking about oh. um yeah and they were being they' like, no we're being cheeky um but i think that like they they weren't happy with like it, from the sounds of it it feels like it was taken away from them at one point and just like repurposed in a way that they were not happy with what you do hear happen a lot all the time yeah <laughs> so um so here's the question I guess here's what we'll talk how does this work for y'all as a prequel um does it give you like a better understanding of the Sawyer clan or and do we even need that heading into like the eighth movie in the series no <laughs>
1: that's my answer okay. like I just Moving no on. I well I just I don't think... Well, we don't need this story. To mm-hmm. me, this does not really add anything. It does not make them more sympathetic to me. It does not explain anything to me. It's just them doing their thing mm-hmm. earlier. Cool. I don't That's great. Like I don't know. I it doesn't it fails with that mission, I think. At least for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, don't know. I uh Just with horror prequels in general, I don't know why they do them. It takes away the mystery, and uh, they just... I'm saying this as a person who immensely loved Pearl and Orphan First Kill that came out this year, but generally, (laughs) horror prequels don't work. They keep doing them. It already hadn't worked in the Texas Chainsaw franchise. This did not make me feel more sympathetic to the Sawyer family at all. If anything, it just made me more like, oh, they're really bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I found Leatherface has always been almost a kind of sympathetic character because he was always, you know, seemed like somebody with maybe mental health problems or something. And this, I just didn't get the turn. I Uh-oh. he seemed like a sweet kid, a nice adult, and then just I don't, I don't even know where that it's mm-hmm. so unbelievable it's so unbelievable but i will say i was glad we got a hot leather face
0: yeah uh, i would say jackson works as a hot leather face
2: yeah agree yeah yeah,
0: yeah
1: there's there's i mean the cast is overall i'd say very hot <laughs> yeah i think do you got the Dorfmeister in here i mean mm-hmm. i think lily taylor's yeah. beautiful <laughs> i think the 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 two young women in this cast are beautiful even like the younger cop I thought was like, Oh, it's a good looking cop. Oh um, yeah,
2: bought off a Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> oh, is that what he said? I was like, he looks familiar, oh. but I wasn't sure. Yeah,
0: like A Cap, all cops are beautiful. Yeah. All, cops <laughs> Our are, babes. all cops are babes
1: so. uh, do not quote me on that uh, oh but... that's that's the tagline from <laughs> <No>. that <laughs> oh i get did. some weird follows
0: we <laughs> no <did>. thank you <laughs> <laughs> um please
1: it doesn't add anything like you mentioned orphan and pearl like to me those expand upon the uniform like universe give us something new mm-hmm. And like it fills out and flushes out those characters Mm. like this just leaves me with more questions. Like, yeah, I don't believe the turn. I don't. And it doesn't And like pairing it with the third one is interesting because we've got Lily Taylor's character. And so it's like, okay, Uh we get the backstory about her like marrying Rich. All right. Connected that line. But also like in the third one, she's kind of like a sweet old lady who just kind of looks after him and you kind of get the idea that she's removed from the Sawyers Mm -hmm. but still is like towing that we're family line kind of thing. And
0: when you say the third one you mean like Texas Chainsaw 3D like the third one. Yeah the the third one in this little trilogy Mm -hmm. but
1: that doesn't really match up with the what's her name Verna like what we see here like here she's like very much like the antagonist, like, instigator, like, pushing him. Mm-hmm. That doesn't match up with what we get in the later one. And I don't also, write.
2: if you're going to have a prequel and everything, answering things is less interesting, but also making a prequel that just raises 50 more questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. What's, <laughs> like, every time I watch this, and I've watched it twice in the last few days just to have watched it and be familiar with it. And every single time I was just more confused. (laughs) Like if this was a -a standup, if this was a standalone movie, take out Leatherface, have it just be a crazy family, overbearing mom. All right, let's do the asylum thing for the first act. Let's go into natural born killers for act two, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But as a prequel, it just makes me really confused. And I just don't know how to feel about it every
0: single time. It muddies the water a lot because when you watch the first movie, you're you you get the idea that like this family has flown under the radar forever, like and they're not actively seeking victims. Like it feels like people stumble upon them, and they're very kind of opportunistic killers. And mm-hmm. to the, the point where you don't even think they even know they're really killing people. Like there's like what really works about the family in the first movie is like they don't think they're evil they don't yeah. and they're just they're almost like the three stooges in a lot of ways they're just kind of like goofy um and there's this like really endearing like part of the reason why the movie works so well is like the dynamic between drayton and the hitchhiker and leatherface or something like sweet and comic about it despite all of the horror, like they're not mustache twirling villains. And then you go to this movie and everybody knows about them, but they can't prove anything, which is scary because they're not exactly like criminal masterminds. Like they just literally have a 10 year old boy wearing a cow head running across the street and they drop a machine on a woman this should co- be a pretty the easy. The sheriff's crime daughter, to solve. no
2: less. <laughs> yes,
0: this shouldn't be a difficult crime to solve. Um, and they're like, "Oh, this is like the tenth time it's happened." It's like, really? Like, I know forensics weren't huge back then, but as I don't know. Smirk- you figure
2: <laughs> as they're smirking in the cop's face, like right. well, we can't prove it. Where's the right. evidence?
0: <laughs> but like, there's like the the Drayton Sawyer that's here. Doesn't feel anything like Drayton Sawyer in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing that you look at that would make me think that these are the same people. Just, he's just like older at this point. And you look at the timeline of this movie, like, it, it starts off with like Jed is probably about 10 or 11 years old.
1: Yeah. And
0: then it jumps ahead 10 years.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: he's, if you want to be, generous he's 18 or 19 in this movie and I think that's being generous but very generous pretty much stopped growing by that age like tell me how like this like physically fit 5 foot 7 young man is a 6 foot 4 300 pound monster by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre like I don't care how many protein shakes and red steaks you eat you're not going to put on that much bulk in that short period of time. And you're not going to grow like a foot either. Like you're not going to all of a sudden be six foot four. So that didn't make any sense. It's the people diet. Yeah, I, you know, (laughs) maybe I don't, but I don't think so. Um, The age gap between the hitchhiker and Drayton, this like it doesn't work like nothing about it really works um so it just add, like you said it adds to that confusion and then there's like this line at the end of the movie where like how is how are we going to make jed remember us and lily taylor's there is like oh i've got some that'll make him remember when she gives him the chainsaw but it wasn't like he was using a chainsaw as an eight-year-old all the time like the one uh-uh. time he held it he didn't want to use it to cut up the person so it's like it didn't really have any great meaning to him so it just it doesn't make any sense as a a prequel in the whole entire movie he's like i don't have any family Mm -hmm.
2: like it wasn't like he missed them or wanted any attachment yeah yeah, had any
1: desire to like look for them like he never
2: even as a child he didn't seem that attached to them like nope (laughs) i just i don't
0: get it no they try to force things in like the other note that i had was the the ted at the beginning of the movie who like it's his girlfriend that gets the machine like it's supposed to be ted hardesty who is the dad of sally and franklin and again like i don't need that like that's just like (laughs) forcing in a connection that doesn't need to be there it's just nobody's asking for that you know
2: I did like the little connections they would put in, like showing Grandpa with the hammer and just the like the more little stuff that was just fun little not in your face, but just little nods that they did throughout the movie i like
0: i did but... I did note that finally Grandpa gets a kill you know I did after like. So many movies that like he found. Oh, and you're like, oh, he really did kill them in one shot. Like, yeah, (laughs) I did appreciate that. You're right. Um, I, I don't like, you know, I think that in the attempt to make this family appear more sympathetic, they actually make them very monstrous. And that like the sheriff is an asshole. Like, don't get me wrong. The sheriff is a terrible human being, but he's also not wrong to take Jed away. Like, you're taking uh-uh. him away for, like, child endangerment. Um, yeah, that would be something that would happen. Like, if, as a mandated reporter, if this family were to somehow stumble across my radar, I am filing a 51A and getting hold of, like, the Department of Children and Family Services. And, like, this kid's not going to be living there. Like, for number one, he's they're having him wear a giant cow's head. That yeah, is not... <laughs>
2: And like, where did they get that? That thing looks so shiny. I don't think they would have had that at your local toy store. Mm -hmm. Who in this family is that artistic? Yeah, I mean, besides (laughs) making their little bone creations Mm -hmm. at home. Yeah.
0: What do we think of our depiction of the asylum in this? You know, Uh, Uh,
1: I mean, uh, it's a it's a great looking asylum. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's in. It's an interesting asylum. It has I mean a co-ed asylum where they're like sleeping in the same room. I mean, whatever, I guess, but it's just like, oh, that's interesting. And clearly maybe not the healthiest environment for these kids. Um I mean, I always love, you know, a good asylum in horror. It's just not necessarily what I expected here. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Oh, you didn't expect that a 30-minute asylum scene in your Texas Chainsaw movie?
1: <laughs> I didn't, really, I guess. And just kind of like how it all unfolded. And then, yeah, there's always these very sweet, innocent nurses that... Oh, my God. I'm going to change people. things. I'm yes. going to change things with, you know, my love and caring ways. I also mm-hmm. like, okay, while we're talking about Jed a little bit, a you know they they go to some lengths to sort of talk about some of these other characters and their issues but jed i don't do they ever really talk about what his is they talk about like that he's on meds
2: yeah but well i think i don't know what i think it's just kind of like american horror story asylum they just give everybody meds to keep them subdued but they also don't act very subdued yeah, the only thing we get, like we see, uh, what's his face's papers that say he's bipolar. Bud. Clearly, yeah, yeah. Bud. but we never hear anything about Jed at all, and he doesn't seem to be that troubled. And they just make that comment about he's on so many meds he won't be able to get it up.
0: Yeah, but I know they they cut a subplot where he had been like passed around a bunch of foster homes and was ill taken care of and. Probably had caused some trouble when he was there, and I think in like one of the homes, um the family there like forced him to dress like a woman because they wanted a daughter, and that was uh, meant to be. So, and again, in one of the, that
2: explains a lot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> one, one of the real misunderstandings I feel like when these families look at Leatherface and him, you know, bending gender norms and like dressing like a woman in some scenes you see it especially in uh return of the texas chainsaw massacre to me it's not ever about like well is like Leatherface expressing different gender identities where does he fit is he non-binary to me it's like his way of communicating like oh in this role like i am the cook or i am like the housekeeper and who does the housework here like well grandma did i will dress like grandma at that point it's always like he's wearing different faces depending on the role that he's playing at that time and it's less about any sort of like an experimentation and clearly like that's only my interpretation of it and people can tell me i'm wrong but i don't feel like they were thinking about it that deeply in hooper's movie and i think that is i don't know like i could be wrong but and I don't think they were definitely
2: thinking about it at all. And the finished product of this movie.
0: No, I think they
1: were just like checking boxes kind of yeah. like, Oh, we got to connect this somehow. Shit. I guess yeah, he's going to put on and- some lipstick. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. I was just like, okay. They just had to put this in there because in the original, he was wearing lipstick on the face. I just always yep. assumed that was because the face he took off had lipstick on it. I just- mm-hmm. And in this it was like Oh this just comes out of left turn He just left field Left comes out of left turn Yeah. And uh, he just in this final shot Puts on lipstick and I'm like Well that was a Different way to end this But okay
0: And we'll talk I want to talk about that Alternate ending in a Uh, little bit So let me just make a a Note of that right now Um, I
2: watched that alternate ending as well
0: It's a stronger ending Yes, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very French. We'll talk about that. Yes, it is very, it is very, it's very French. It's a very French horror ending. Yes. Um, I don't think I can watch it. Like speaking of which, with these, I rewatched Inside when we did a month on French New Wave horror, and like that ending, like really gets to me, like the C section and her screaming for her mom at the end of it is just like, I have a real thing about helpless horror when like, there's nothing you can do to escape this at this point. Like you're just completely fucked. Uh, and that's what the ending of the alternate ending of this movie. is. Mm-hmm. Like it's fucking creepy. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of creepy and speaking of Leatherface, what do we make of the Agatha Christie of it all? Where the like, Who is Leatherface in this movie? Because they really do make an attempt to make you guess. I mean, Bud is so obviously like you're supposed to think it's Bud that you know it's not Bud. It's like Murder, She Wrote, where the person who they think is the suspect is always never the main killer at the end of the show. Um, Because like Bud looks like Leatherface, and he has, at the very least select mutism and you and he's this hulking strong person of course it's him but then oscar is the only one who wants to find his family and wants mom's barbecue and
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's, instead we get it's,
2: it's old man smithers yes yeah <laughs> did <laughs> either like, of you fall for this no no no
1: but i also like it's i it's so It's just weird (laughs) because it's like uh, all the movies, all of them, except this one kind of set him up as like, oh, he's a little slow. He's mentally challenged. You know, lots of terrible words are used Mm -hmm. to describe him in his situation. And he's played that way. Like, for the most part, like he's, you know, his mannerisms and what we hear, how we hear him converse. Like, there's something going on there in some capacity. And then here... It's it just makes it so hard to believe because he's so, you know, this, you know, lack of a better word like normal and he's eloquent and he's able to converse and he's like social and he's he seems to be fairly normal, Mm -hmm. like on the surface as far as like his violent tendencies. And so it's just it makes that turn so unbelievable it's like i get it like red herring pulled the rug out from it It was this guy all along but also like yeah but that doesn't does that really work like i don't know if it doesn't actually fit with the larger story i'm not sure but then again like i don't necessarily agree that there's you know there's a lot to unpack with leatherface presented the way that he is in the rest of
0: the films but also (laughs) how does this how does this magic bullet a Go through both of his cheeks when he's
2: yeah. facing forward
0: in the car, and he's shot it's from behind, rich. and also caused this traumatic brain injury that will rework his brain. Like, is that's- that okay?
1: Is that what is is that what is implied? Because yeah. I did, I guess I okay. I see. Maybe I,
2: that's how they explained. I thought it. even after that, he still seemed just as cognizant as before. Just mm-hmm. you wouldn't be talking with your face ripped in half.
0: Right. Um, I got the impression from what they're going for here is like this injury causes TBI or traumatic brain injury, which is going to impact your emotional reasoning, impact your ability to speak. It's going to give you, uh, it can really change your mood. Uh, I worked with that population for about a year. And with mostly with persons that had suffered stroke, uh, in a couple of cases, there had been a couple individuals that suffered like really horrific injuries. Like one fell out of a third story window and hit their head on the pavement and survived, but became mm-hmm. like much quicker to violence and anger, uh, than they had been previous. And I think we talked about like, well, what was Jackson slash Jed's issue? You do see when Bud is killed, like how quick he is to act violently. Like he not only murders the cop, but he slams his head in the door until it's like tapioca pudding. And then the way he acts towards Lizzie, like he completely turns on her and it's scary how like violently angry he gets at her in that very brief moment. In time, so you can maybe see what well, he's maybe put in there if he had other violent outbursts like this, yeah. But I still don't see him as oh, yeah, this is what how he would become Leatherface, yeah. I guess, I yeah, they'd... I
1: didn't think of the, the, the brain injury, I guess I didn't connect that. Mm-hmm. So it's that I mean that does make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. They don't lay it out in the film. <laughs> so it's but.
1: like I guess they do. Like he gets shot, and then the car accident. Like there, there are those things, but I guess it wasn't.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot the car accident. Yeah, that, that, like that, he yeah, gets yeah, shot, right. and then
1: they immediately have a car accident. Mm-hmm. So it's like I guess that yes, that that could that that does check out. But it mm-hmm. wasn't conveyed very well. I guess that like yep. something serious, mm-hmm. like something has happened, and like mm-hmm. this is why he becomes you know, more the leather face Mm -hmm. that we know.
2: All right. Alternate theory that I just not thought of. He's been on all sorts of whatever drugs they gave you back then for 10 or 11 years and then stopped them suddenly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing you're not supposed to do with those type of drugs is stop them suddenly. So yeah. maybe that's why he just got really violent and
1: Lots of maybes here. Well, yeah. like...
2: none, <laughs> none of this is laid out in the film for us though.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm I... guessing he would have been on Thorazine because that would have been introduced in the mid 50s and that was used to treat it was considered like a miracle drug in terms of like treating psychosis upon like mm. its introduction. So and it basically could keep patients in a state of like near catatonia so like I w- it's a pretty powerful drug so I I am guessing that's what he was on hmm I also in- just
1: like I don't know about the whole like the leather face thing it's like yeah he's gonna have some scars but mm-hmm. like he's just gonna look tough as shit like I don't know yeah. why you'd want to cover it up like it's not
2: yeah pretty
0: yeah, bad I- <laughs> it's gonna be
1: like also- John Connor you know
2: huh? Random little side note, when she is helping him, you know, get his face put back together and she sews it up and she has this little belt contraption. And I'm like, who made this and just whipped this up to perfectly fit his face that she has? It's like a bridle for like
1: Like, a horse mm -hmm. or like a muzzle or something. Like, I don't, I didn't know what that was. Maybe it is actually something, but I don't know what it is. And then,
2: so he has it on there, you know, it's supposed to hold it all together while it heals. And then a scene or so later, that same night, he's like (laughs) screaming. And I'm like, that would rip your face open to that contraption. It would keep you from eating anything from any that doesn't come from a straw, mm-hmm. and I just so many
0: questions. Well, again, it's they what they're really trying to do is elicit as much sympathy as possible for Leatherface,
2: mm-hmm. who
0: I would argue, and the is as sympathetic as he's going to get in the first movie because, in the and even in the second movie, where like Leatherface yeah. falls in love for the first time. And then you have a, almost like a sweet, bizarre romance with him and Stretch. But in that first movie, you know, I made this argument back on our Texas Chainsaw show that like, you can argue he's not really the villain. You have these like dirty fucking hippies coming to his house one after another, like we're going to steal gas and leave you my guitars payment. Like F you, Kurt, like we're not doing that. Um, but like Leatherface, like, I don't know. He doesn't know who these people are. And like one after another, they're coming into his home. And that's yeah, home invasion out, story. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like straw dogs in reverse. Basically. It's just bizarre. Um, He's as sympathetic as he gets because he doesn't understand what's going on, and you don't need to put him through all of this trauma in order to make him sympathetic. If anything, the way that like his family is depicted and the way that he handles things make him less sympathetic. So this whole like Leatherface wasn't born this way; he was made because a society man, you know, like to yeah. me. It's not. It's not interesting. Well, and like doesn't prior, like him more.
1: Prior to this, it's you kind of. I just always assumed like they were removed from society a little bit, like they were rural community, like they, you know, sort of like hills have eyes. They made their own little community with their mm-hmm. own set of rules, and it was more understandable that he would be kind of brainwashed to think, you know, protect his mm-hmm. family and like really see these people as like, no, these are a threat to our family. Like I'm doing the right thing. Whereas this Leatherface, it's like, he's he's been out in the world. Like, he's been in foster homes, he's been in this asylum. Like, i not saying he's been treated well, but, like, he has been exposed to other things. And it also seems like the community is aware of this family and they don't seem that far removed. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little hard to believe that, like, no, we have to protect the family. Like, they're all against us. It's just kind of some some mixed messages as far yeah. as, like, even in the next one, like how they're presented. Cause there it's like, Oh, they're, they're out there they're, you know, the redneck kind of hillbilly horror mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And this one isn't quite set up yeah. that way. It's I not.
2: would believe that this little baby Leatherface probably went to public school. Like it seems yeah. like they practically live in town. Everybody knows them. They know everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't know. It's just, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is you just don't know because again, it is trying to answer questions that we don't really need. An- and I like this movie. Like I know I'm coming yeah, off yeah. as pretty harsh on it. Like I Same. really enjoy a lot of this movie, but I think when it comes to this aspect of it, the like, let's, pigeonhole like leather face into it let's try to make it make sense like it's trying to answer questions that no one you don't really need an answer to this like just watch the first movie enjoy it make your own story up about them and then call it a day that's pretty much all you need um what i do have a question about is less appropriate time to have sex, time and place to have sex Mm -hmm. in a mental asylum during a breakout or in an abandoned RV in front of the corpse of the previous occupant who just offed himself. Like where, what is less tasteful?
1: You know, I, I I put a lot of thought into this. I saw you had this in the note and I was like, this is a good question, (laughs) you know, like, which is more shocking, you -hmm. know, like if I was playing, never have I ever like <laughs> had sex over a corpse in a house where the guy killed himself and he's still there where there's other people out in the room or had sex during an active asylum riot. <laughs> I kind of think the riot mm-hmm. is a little more inappropriate. Like mm-hmm. there, like, these, there are children around this is in public this is like get out what are you mm-hmm. get out don't get off like what are you doing like I don't under, like this is not the time nor the place and it's just not very conducive I guess I don't I f- know <laughs> I
0: feel like the ringing alarm and also like the performance <laughs> anxiety from everyone like running around around me like I wouldn't be able to perform
2: how much time do you have like no. I don't understand <laughs> yeah I'm like you just stop in the middle of this riot and like riots aren't safe even if you're them I feel like they would have some sort of you know need for safety and (laughs) like I want to get the fuck out of here and not just let's stop and just fuck on the side of the stairwell so I feel like that would be to answer your question that would be the one I would pick but Obviously, the more gross answer would be on the corpse because I mean, you see that corpse. I mean, it's it's gooey.
1: They moved him. They moved him and, in yeah. there.
2: Yeah, he's gooey. She's like licking him, like she's in a, Rob she's zombie a French movie.
0: kissing him, like she's yes. like Ugh. licking his face. And... Like it's really disgusting.
2: But I mean, aside from morally inappropriate, like.
1: I mean, different strokes, I guess. So yeah, I mean, it's just them in that room. They're not, I guess, exposing anybody else really to But, it. There, like, but
2: you know, also, I mean, did this movie really need to have like necrophilia on top of everything else?
0: Didn't it? <laughs> I mean, what movie wouldn't benefit from necrophilia? Bambi totally would have been better movie. Necrophilia. What? I mean, Mike. Every every movie. <laughs> The sound of music. Uh. Totally. I just feel like it always, it it
2: is a surprising left turn when movies make that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting that when I was watching the neon demon and Jenna Malone just starts.
0: Exactly. I've never Um, seen the neon demon.
2: It is. Have you seen it?
1: Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think it's great. Would
2: you, okay, I was like, I have mixed feelings about it. I'll think it's amazing one watch, and then I have watched it multiple times, so I guess that would in itself say it's it's worth watching. But um, okay, sorry for the necrophilia yeah. spoiler. That's
0: in there. okay. But at least I mean, you know I'm what the to one look that put us to. on this track, so it's not really your fault. Um, but what do we think? So we talked about Bud. We talked about Jed mostly because they're kind of the focus. Isaac and. Clarice like is your kind of Mickey and Mallory couple here yes. and your other red herrings like they're a hoot I guess they're such I a mean hoot. They... I think Clarice yeah. is the MVP of the movie mm-hmm. she's so entertaining I mean
2: when they're in the diner and she grabs a gun and just like fuck I love Texas <laughs>
1: when she's like the most like this is who i am Mm -hmm. i deserve to be here i am bananas i am violent i like this i'm into it i like sex i like killing let's go like she's very like on the surface like what like from the second we meet Mm her so it's like this is a character that delivers what she actually is
2: (laughs) yeah and uh, you've got to give her credit when the sheriff has her down and is Sticking his thumb under her skin and her forehead. She doesn't give the others up. She's like, Nope, it's just me and Ike. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, if I was her from her
0: earlier actions, you'd think she'd be like, they're over there. Yeah. Cause none of them yeah. seem to like one another. You have like Bud and Lizzie, the nurse in Jed in one corner. And like, they're almost all being held hostage by Ike and Clarice like they're not exactly best buddies on the road together it feels like they're all forced to be in this together and Bud is the one that kills Ike Isaac because Isaac tries to sexually assault the nurse Lizzie so Mm -hmm. he curb stomps him in a very
2: oh Oh. I love when they have
0: a good curb stomp in a movie
2: oh yeah
1: never fails to just completely gross me out. Yep. Oh, so I, I, know. It works
2: here. I just imagine so, like that feeling on your teeth. Stop! And I'm just like, oh. No!
0: <laughs> I do think that Clarice says, God, I love Texas multiple times in this movie to remind listeners or to remind <laughs> this viewers this is supposed to be in Texas. This is supposed to be Texas, which it does not look like Texas.
2: I feel like she only says all. it In the diner, she says, fuck, I love Texas. And later, she's like, you can kiss my Texan ass. Yeah. Um, Also, on the subject of Clarice, why was she making that poor girl eat a pinky?
0: Like, the little mouse, pinky mouse. Like,
2: again. it was messed up.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why we're on the outside of the asylum. (laughs) She's, you know, I mean. All right. I don't have too much more. On this movie, I think I the last thing I have is like really the gore of this movie, because I think the series as a whole, like the thing about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, so much of the gore is implied. Um, even the remake, which upon re- rewatch for me was much less gory than I remembered it being. Mm. The only entry in the series, I think, that is on par with this one in terms of like the gore and the way the gore is used is the other prequel Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning which is interesting mm-hmm. to me and that the two prequels maybe because they just like don't have as much they don't know have as much to say in terms of like actual story they're like well we're going to give you tons of gore and that is like Bastillo's and Murray's thing is like their gore is so ridiculous and over the top like you get these really bloody sequences Um, they wanted to use like a real cow corpse for the scene where like bud and lizzie and Jed like crawl out of the cow they're like just get a real corpse and get in there <laughs> the producers are like you're fucking crazy like just the germs and say, bacteria. please tell me
2: they didn't
0: <laughs> they did not they had to make something but that's how they think they're like just get a real fucking animal they're like dude no disease you can't do that what do we if think was- of the gore and how it's used here um, I
2: think this is probably the goriest Texas Chainsaw. I think Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, feels a lot more uh, brutal. Mm-hmm. It just seems like there's no humor in that movie at all. This one, it's really gross, but at times, it, it almost feels playful. It is very disgusting, but... Again, in that diner scene, when they shoot the waitress and you see it from behind the counter and the blood just, like, <laughs> gushes up five feet. And, I don't know. I think the gore is used very well. It's nasty. It's icky. It's gross. It's uh, what you would expect from a Texas Chainsaw movie, even though, as a general rule, they they feel a lot grosser in your memory than they actually are.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Most of the time, except for this one and maybe the beginning, these are actually really gross. <laughs> but I like it. They're, gro-
1: they're gross and they're unexpected, I think. Like, there's a scene where, like, I don't even remember who it is. Somebody is stabbing, like, a nurse in the mouth.
2: <laughs> oh, my and God. That,
1: and it's just like, what? No, God, gross, ow. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I'm just not expecting that. And the the thing like, that way. Yeah, like, it's just such a weird choice. Like, why would you stab somebody in the mouth? I don't know, that it, that it makes it feel... I think more intense because, you know, it's like somebody gets stabbed in the chest. You're like, Igh. I've seen that a million times. That's yeah. nothing. But yeah. and then same thing with like the curb stop. Like that's a pretty brutal choice and one that's not used very often. So like when you see that, it hits a little harder and... It kind of like makes I don't know kind of unexpected I guess from what I would expect from a Texas Chainsaw movie.
2: Even just a little thing like what I had mentioned earlier when the sheriff is like putting his thumb under her yeah in the scalp is just it was a little thing I don't even know if you would consider it gory but it was just so unexpected and weird and just a painful thing that you could identify with what that would feel like. Yeah, it's just really effective.
0: Yeah, so
1: it's it's smart. It's super
0: smart. There's almost a distinguish- distinction there between gore and pain, and that like you do get these like over the top gory moments that do play as humorous. Like, I remember in Inside there's a scene where I think it's one of the cops that comes back to the scene. Like you think he's dead, and then he springs up and he's almost like a zombie in the way. Oh my god, yes, and he's near acting. the <laughs> And it's hilarious. Like it's really horrific, but also hilarious. And you get moments like that here. Um, and the diner scene, like the violence there from the moment, like she, you know, like plunges like a screwdriver in the per- in the person behind them, like the booth's neck to get this gun. It's almost like a ballet like quality too. And like, it's mm-hmm. almost like a dance. It's really beautifully shot. But then like to reference like the, the diner waitress like the way that it lingers on i think it's Clarice that no is it isaac that shoots her a mm-hmm. It's isaac it's isaac so, the way like he lowers the shotgun and points it at her and then it likes a close-up of her like closing her eyes before like it's it's like okay well this is also like really fucked up and brutal and you know this is like a real person it's not like we're not playing around anymore it's not meant to be fun. Like there are some moments like that as well where it kind of says like these is these are some horrible people doing horrible things. Like Clarice's death is pretty horrible because she knows it's coming and she knows that she knows that she is signing her death warrant the moment that she says that to like the sheriff, basically. Mm-hmm. As soon as she well she, she probably saw thought... her into it
2: death was better than whatever he had in store for her. Exactly. And I also so like the nice little touch of him shooting her in the head, but smoke is like coming out mm-hmm. of her mouth. Yeah. yeah, And I was just like, well, I don't think that's very accurate, but it's right. a nice little, <laughs> it looks cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because they are all legitimately terrified of him because they mm-hmm. knew him as a, when they were children. Like, even though they're in their 18s or twenties now, like that is when, they knew him. So like he is this monster from their childhood. Um, So yeah, it's, you know, then you have like a pig feeding sequence. Um, Mm -hmm. The only thing I wanted to bring up was like the alternate ending to this movie, because it did feel much more like a Morrow and Pastillo ending. It did have that French horror feel to it. So it plays out very similar, except instead of running into the woods and then getting her head chainsawed off in one quick stroke. Um she runs upstairs, she encounters Grandpa, and when the confrontation happens, like Jed saws off her leg instead of killing her. And while she's screaming, Grandpa like whacks her on the head and it then goes to the basement again. Like same similar ending. Like they're feeding the pigs. Uh, Lily Taylor's Vera is like getting rid of all the clothes and then it pans into the basement and his mask is different here, right? Like the mask Mm -hmm. he's wearing is actually the top half is the sheriff's face. The bottom half is uh, Lizzie's face. And it then pans over to Lizzie and she is hanging from a meat hook. Half her, the bottom half of her face is gone And you just see like all the jaw flesh and all her teeth. Um, Hmm. And he goes over to her wearing this mask and it's just kind of like, and it's implied that she's alive at this point. It's being kept as his plaything, and he's like sniffing at her and it's really drawn out. And the last shot of the movie is like him sliding the chainsaw, like underneath her dress.
2: He's standing directly behind Mm -hmm. her and uh, sticks the chainsaw beneath her dress and is, like, raising it up at about an angle like this. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
2: uh, I did think it was a more, and then in the movie ends, I thought it was more effective and it was very French, but I was just like, oh, I do not think this would have played well. That is super misogynistic. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, But, I also don't... I've watched a lot like, of French horror, so I'm like, okay, I can see that, but I'm like, that's, for an American movie, it just It love... is that
0: French nihilism that you get in so many of those movies from the aughts, like, that is, it's played out here, absolutely. And just It also just sexual... adds that,
1: yeah, it adds that, like, sexual component to mm-hmm. it, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody would say that Leatherface is, like, like a sexual like sexually motivated in his kill so that that would and that, that would feel a little odd i think
2: there was another deleted scene or alternate scene when they're in the um camper and lizzie kisses him and he's just like what are you doing and he's all freaked out by it so it's just it felt so odd at the end just seeing mm-hmm. him like making the chainsaw literally his like phallic symbol that he was gonna like her in half with like I mean I just watched the Terrifier for the first time the other night and just saw some oh. <laughs> yeah I just saw a girl get cut in, you know you know the yeah, scene I know and yeah. like and that was just kind of like okay because the type of movie it was but if that had come at the end of this movie it just made me feel really uncomfortable just the way it was shot um and I was just kind of like well I'm glad it was an alternate ending even if it would have been technically better. Just because it just added a really uncomfortable component to Leatherface that I don't think he needed because he's just not a sexual being.
0: And that was a very... Until he meets Stretch. (laughs) But even
1: that, it's like, is it sexual or is it just more like this person is... Nice and oh like, no! It's like, I, I mean he's it's,
0: putting it's, he's sliding and down her leg. He, okay, I was like, it's been like, a minute since I've seen him. It's the <laughs> scene can't.
2: where he like he puts on the lipstick. He walks over to her, is like sniffing her, and like walks around behind her slowly, and then like slowly lifts the chainsaw beneath her legs, and it's like lifting uh, okay, her hands up. like it's <laughs> yeah. it's. it's very, I guess I like blocked
0: this. <laughs> no, but that that's it's the a, end of this really movie. Texas Chainsaw Two yeah, so. is when he is sliding that thing between her legs on the ice chest he can't start the chainsaw aka male impotence and Mm. just all right um, all right but yeah the end of this one has that french horror feel to it i think it would have been a more effective ending than what we get It is. um but i get your point where it's like yeah american audiences aren't so much gonna go they're not going to go for that. Like, that's it's, not... But it, it's definitely
2: more horrifying, for mm-hmm. sure. But, I don't know, just that aspect of sexual violence and his character is just... It felt really out of place with the rest of the movie. Right.
0: Well, the idea of, like... I think the most horrific thing is, like, keeping her alive as a sort of plaything for him. And, like, I have a thing about teeth, too. So, like, seeing... Mm-hmm all those exposed teeth like that is just some hellraiser that's a a nightmare in wheels for me right there
2: it did make me sad that that got cut because i was just like oh that's really good Mm -hmm. effects and makeup work that just isn't in the movie um
0: yeah and there's great effects most of them are most of them are practical effects in this mm. movie. I think That's it's why they look so good and they're sticky mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So any final thoughts? Anything we're missing here? I think we've pretty much covered everything we want to in this one.
1: This is it's just it's a movie where you just have to like like I liked watching it. Like I know we've been kind of harsh about how oh, it yeah. actually functions and holds up to scrutiny, but I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to not think about some of those things yeah. <laughs> and if you just like watch it for what it is it looks great yeah it's got some really incredible effects that hold up really well there's you know nothing it's it, i mean it's relatively new so there's nothing that like is too cringy you watch it like that doesn't hold up very well i mean the music is great it's the same guy who did texas Chainsaw 3d mm-hmm. so like sound sound wise they sound really similar which is kind of nice um bookend the franchise and so I appreciate all of that for what it is just don't think about it
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's kind of like a time travel movie if you think about it too hard it falls apart but and I, i we have we've shit all over this movie but I really did enjoy watching it. I probably, I think I ended up with, I kept going between like a three and three and a half on Letterboxd and I think I settled on a three and, um, which doesn't imply that like I loved it. It's, you know, it, that more looks like, it's oh, it's competent, but I, I did enjoy it. I mean, as far as horror movies, like it's sick, it's dark, it's, you kind of get three little movies in one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I do like I like it. It was fun. I didn't hate that I had to watch it. That's why when you like posted your thing about somebody uh, guesting on it, I was like, "Ooh, I want that." Leatherface mm-hmm. is like a really interesting addition into that franchise.
0: Yeah, so,
1: this is by far not the worst, and I haven't even seen them all. But I don't think this is the worst. In what this would franchise. you rank
0: your lowest right now? Like, which one would be the worst?
1: Oh, the worst. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or least well, okay. favorite. I what haven't seen favorite? three and four. Mm-hmm. So I feel like those from and, and that's really just because I'm going off of like what I've heard. Mm-hmm. But my least favorite, as far as like, what am I gonna put on? It's probably 3D. Sorry. Okay. Like, like it is what it is. There's some, you know, it's it's a different that is more like a house of wax scenario where you mm-hmm. watch it because it's so bananas. Um You know, so it's kind of like with two in that way where it's like those two have a different sort of tone. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I'd probably have like the beginning is my least favorite of the series at this point, just because the Platinum Dune movies are so devoid of any humor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're
0: so joyless, but at least like the first remake is very competently done and jessica beale is super lovely and it at least tries to match the tone of the first movie while still doing its own thing um where the beginning matches the tone of the remake but saps a lot of the urgency out of it Mm. um whereas like this here i'd probably put somewhere in the middle And again, none of these movies are boring. Like one of the real, like like I have come to really like the return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the fourth movie, because it's just so fucking nuts. And because it's like Matthew McConaughey is so in like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to be a big star and this is what I'm doing (laughs) right now. You know, like, that's it, it, has like massive big dick energy, is the best way I can describe, yeah, and him and him and R- in that
2: movie. Renee both have Oscars now, so
0: yes, you know, <laughs> and like Renee Zelliger is amazing in that, like, her turn in the third act when she goes from like being super meek and mild to like, fuck y'all, like, her energy in that when she like slaps Matthew McGahana, hey, it's like, get your and, and basically like puts Leatherface in his place by yelling at him. Are incredible. Oh, that's wonderful! Like, it's it's the Scream Factory Blu-ray. Everybody should own own that movie. It's lovely. I um, have to get it. This is like a like again. Like Mara and Bastillo bring this real energy to the movie. This real nice vision in terms of how the movie looks. I think it's hampered by a script that you know, like you're writing the eighth movie in a series and you're doing the second prequel, you're going to be hamstrung by that alone. Um, There are some nice ideas here. It's well acted. Um, I don't know how many more times I would return to this movie. Like it wouldn't be like in my top three for like if I'm going to pick a movie up from this franchise to watch, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be in my top three or four to do that. But, you know, it's definitely worth a watch and cons- it's as harsh as we've been and i think we're been harder on it i talking about it i'm been i've been harsher on it than i actually expected to be this episode like i thought i would be a little bit more kind to this movie and i'm not sure why i'm coming down harder on it than i thought cuz i do really like this movie believe it or I not i
2: had a lot of fun with it too like
0: yeah. but yeah it, looking at it's, it critically is <laughs>
2: Well,
1: it's, it's looking... At, I mean, there's a lot of things that it does really, really well. Like, it's made really well. Mm-hmm. The performances are well. Like, it looks great. Like So it's like all of these actual like filmmaking yeah. elements, great. It's some of the narrative stuff because we're putting it in mm-hmm. the context of a larger franchise yeah. that we're being a little bit harsher on it. So that's why it's like... Because, you know, we've been talking about this whole franchise yeah. and if it doesn't really mesh with that, it's, yeah, we're going to sound mean, but we don't mean to be. <laughs>
0: and I think all of those great elements individually never quite gel together mm-hmm. to make something as cohesive as we would like it to be and I think that's my final thought on this one so we'll put Leatherface to bed we have one movie left in this series
2: which is my least favorite in the
0: See,
1: franchise not my least favorite I wish I could be on that one but I could be out of town but I, oh, not my least favorite I, <laughs> yeah,
2: I like like two parts of that movie and the rest of it I just
0: I love the ending of that movie so much. Not I think the ending is so I think the ending's so funny. Yeah. But, I think um... the ending is hilarious. I also think the ending of Saint Maud is like one of the funniest endings since Rodney Dangerfield yelled hey everybody we're all going to get laid in Caddyshack I think Uh, it's like in terms of like best endings to a movie it's Caddyshack Saint Maude Texas Chainsaw (laughs) 2022 in terms of the humor (laughs) funniest (laughs) endings ever
2: a group I never expected to hear in a sentence together
0: (laughs) you know that is there you go um I'm the person who thought the tribe was supposed to be a black comedy. So if anyone has seen that soul crushing movie, Oof, um, anyway, just her tale, yeah, Clayton, tell us about the Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies podcasts, What you're about, where we can find, and where we can find you.
2: Well, we are a new queer podcast that covers movies. Right now, we are covering horror movies because it's spooky season. But we will be covering all kinds of films, and we're basically going through, and each of us, we have very different movie tastes, my co-host and I. And uh, each week, we're just picking a movie and going over it. And, yeah, it's really fun so far. And um, You can find us on Twitter at Triple M Pod, with a capital T Three capital M's and a capital P on the pod because I was not able to get men who like men who like movies for a thing, so now I have a really complicated Twitter handle for it. You can find me on Twitter at just happy to see you number two letter C letter U, and same on Letterbox.
0: All right, yeah, I don't think you have enough characters to do your whole. And Twitter <laughs> doesn't allow yeah. characters e. to do that, so. And if it's just like Men Who Like Men and then P at the end, people might just forget to see any face. Yeah. It would definitely just... attract a different...
2: <gasps> yes. Uh, when we were making everything, it just kind of like turned out that way. It's like, oh, this is a good title. And then you start to go into the socials, and it's just like... Okay. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. The socials.
0: <laughs> yeah. We came up with this title by having someone else pick it for us, because I don't like to name things. I'm very bad at it. So like one of our future listeners are like, Hey, we're doing this show. Can someone help us name it? And someone, I think it was Darthus on Twitter gave us this name and we're like, it works. Thank you. Because I would have come up with something far stupider. (laughs) Um, So, and we probably would have not made it past 10 episodes. Anyway, uh, Rachel, what are you cooking up?
1: You know, October, busy month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I am doing a lot of, I have done and I'm doing a lot of podcasts, which is great. Uh, people tend to reach out to me to talk about music, which I'm always super happy to do. So I'm going to, uh, I've got an episode I did with um, Jay Blake Fischera, a scored mm-hmm. to death um, episode. He also just launched his Kickstarter mm-hmm. for his documentary on horror film music. So go support that if you can. Um, I've got an episode of Film Alchemist talking about New Year's Evil coming up, Song Will Go On, talking about weird science. Let's see what else. Um, I've got a cult-worthy podcast talking about needle drops. So that's super fun.
0: And it's called what show?
1: Uh, That one is called... The cult worthy, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. Cult, no, I'm right. Okay. I was like, is it just cult worthy podcast? Yeah. The cult worthy podcast, um, talking about needle drops, some of our favorite needle drops in movies. So that was really fun. And then um, another podcast called Verse, Chorus, Verse, talking about horror film scores for October, of course. So that'll be really fun as well. That's I told really my wife
0: funny. for Christmas I wanted. Because I think she wanted to get me something, trying to think what she wanted to get me for, because if I don't tell her now, I won't get anything that I want. <laughs> um, so I forget what it was. So I'm like, no, I don't really want that. Like, I would actually like a turntable. And she's like, oh, why? Oh, yeah. Because I gave nice. away when my daughter was born. We had a really small condo. And uh-huh. I gave my best friend all of my vinyl. Oh, dang. All I
1: bet it. you. I bet knowing you. I bet you had some stuff that's actually worth some cash now because all of that like
0: yeah,
1: early punk. emo like punk stuff from like the late '90s, early 2000s. Like that stuff is gold, like,
2: baby. And vinyl <laughs> the is test.
0: worth so much test now. Pressing of Jawbreakers, Dear You, and Blue Marble. Yeah. Oh my! Wow, oh, Mike. Because you know, like, I just gave it, it away. <laughs> Time to put away these uh, foolish things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, like Speaking i had the first of... Pr- press of like dead kennedy's bedtime um fresh fruit for rotting vegetables like oh yeah the, buddy oh god you I, could retire <laughs> yeah i just like that's. Wow. i mean
1: that's how like when i we were buying a house i like sold a bunch of my mm-hmm. records just to like help with the down payment and
0: yeah so yeah like so i gave everything away and i'm like you know like the room I'm in now is going to become my daughter's room soon. Like over Christmas, we're going to repaint it. And like, she's going to take this because it's bigger than her bedroom. And she's like, I want to move into your office. I'm like, why? And she made a really good case for it. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to take over her room, which is tiny. And I'm like, you know, I'd like to put a turntable and a pair of powered speakers in there. We have Sonos all throughout our house. And my wife is like, why do you want vinyl? I'm like, well, she's like, Well, that's who you used to be. I'm like, but I wanna be that person again. <laughs> I miss that. It's and an she engaging
1: made, activity. She makes it. engages you. No, and no, no. no. Hit.
0: Strictly be probably for like horror vinyl. Like I think that's mostly what I would listen to at this point. So yeah. uh- I just want to get a Lords of, Lords of Salem
2: vinyl and just play it all October. Just that Excellent. one song, you know, just that. You can get
1: it. <laughs> Waxwork Records released it. Go.
2: Uh, <laughs> it would drive everyone I know completely batshit. And <laughs> I am so bad at promoting myself. I totally forgot. Um, our, When this comes out, we will just release an episode on the cult classic Night of the Demons. And cool. uh, the next one after that will be at The Evil Dead from 2013, the unrated All edition. Right. So two See very it. fun picks.
0: So so for me, you know me. You know my other show. It is, hopefully you do at this point, it is Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast. This month we're at Spooky Season in October. We're doing Childhood Fears. So we have uh, It Chapter 1. Which drops later this week, and then we'll be back a couple weeks later with it, Chapter Two. Um, in between that, I know tomorrow we're going to be recording on Shaun of the Dead for a comfort horror episode. So we have a lot of fun stuff we're cooking up over there. Um, also, in a couple weeks, I hope some of y'all are heading out to Telluride, Colorado. I'll be returning to the Telluride horror show uh, from my 10th year of hosting that festival along with Brad McCarg. Um really excited to go back to Tell Your We've got a killer lineup of movies this year. Uh, I cannot wait to get my ass back out there. So we'll be doing that. Um hope you enjoyed the show. Again, follow us on Twitter at Pod and Pend over on Twitter. Check out our website podandthependulum.com. It's a great place to get all of our back episodes, please. If you're, we've been stuck in the nineties for reviews for what it seems like forever. I really want to get it to a hundred this month. Please rate review and subscribe to us over, go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review and a few kind words. It goes a long way to helping us find new listeners sick of staring at 96 for a number. So like, (laughs) let's get us over the top people with a five star review. You can follow me over at Mike underscore Snoonian over on Twitter where I am a delight. Um, Really just charming and wonderful and all those (laughs) great things. It is spooky season. So we're looking forward to doing some really fun things. We'll be back very soon. I'm going to try to record our next episode really quickly. Uh, we'll be doing 2022's Texas Chainsaw Massacre and putting this series to rest, at least for a little while. And then we're going to return to Haddonfield and cover Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, because that will be the last Michael Myers movie ever. I'm sure that nobody will reboot Halloween in like two or three years. I'm sure Laurie Strode will never come back and play Laurie. Uh, sorry, Jamie Lee Curtis will never come back and play Laurie again. I'm never sure that ever. won't happen. It's not, it's never going to be over, people. This will never end. It's going to go on forever. <laughs> Just deal with it. Just let it happen. You know you want more Halloween movies. On that note, listeners, thank you so much. Uh, We'll be back very shortly, but we uh, appreciate you listening. Thank you.